Hello, and welcome to the All Things Hadoop podcast. I'm your host, Joe Stein, founder and principal consultant of Big Data Open Source Security, LLC. This is episode 16, Talk with Jay Kreps. And now, on to the show. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Jay Kreps. Jay is a principal staff engineer at LinkedIn. He's also Apache committer and PMC member for the Apache Kafka and SAMSA projects. Welcome, Jay. Thanks for having me. So, Jay, how did you first get into Hadoop and open source projects? Um, well, I, uh, I was kind of always interested in this area. I actually came to LinkedIn more to work on recommendation systems, so I was probably more in the uh, data science space, although uh, we didn't really have that word at the time. This was about six years ago. Um, and when I got here, I guess probably most of the problems were really just around data infrastructure. Like we were probably a little lower level at that time. <laughs> and so there was less like recommendation work uh, that was immediately needed. And so I, I ended up working on um, something called uh, Project Voldemort, which was a key value store. And it, it still exists. It, it, it's used pretty heavily at LinkedIn. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of like a Dynamo, Amazon Dynamo clone. Uh, it's open source, um, and so that was kind of my first uh, involvement in open source. So I wrote the first version of that, and we, we open sourced it, and you know people were interested, and it was a good experience. Um, and that kind of got me uh, hooked, I guess. Uh, and after that, uh, I ended up uh, doing the kind of Hadoop rollout here. So that you know this was shortly after, uh, and we basically didn't really have much of an offline computing setup. And so we ended up you know getting Hadoop, rolling that out, working on getting all the data in, we wrote a job scheduler uh, called Azkaban that I, I wrote the first version of, and you know a bunch of other kind of supporting infrastructure for batch computing, and that ended up running a lot of the recommendation systems, like the people you might know, some of the job recommendation features, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff from email to you know whatever, and so that's that's also like very heavily used now. And then after that, I kind of shifted into the real-time space. Uh, the first thing I worked on was uh, Kafka. Uh, and Kafka is like a, really, it's like a distributed log um, that, that it, you, you can write to remotely. And this was our kind of answer to messaging and the whole data pipeline, like how data moves to real-time processing, how it moves into the offline Hadoop system and data warehouse. And so this was meant to kind of rework what we were using messaging systems for uh, to provide better semantics for uh, real-time processing, as well as to provide something that could provide, you know, a foundation for offline data loads or, or just, you know, data copying from system to system. You know, one of the projects we had imagined at the very beginning um, that we, we didn't have time to do except in prototype form uh, was a processing layer to go along with it. So one of the ways we, we punted off all of the higher level messaging features that you would see in a messaging system was we imagined, well, really, these belong in kind of a separate layer. Um, and actually, a few of these kinds of processing systems have sprung up, right? There's, there's um, Storm and S4 and all these other things, and some of them actually integrate with Kafka, which is awesome. But, but we had in mind kind of a design for one of these, which we've you know, been working on for actually quite a while. Um, and and that's, that's SAMHSA, which is what I'm working on right now. Awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Kafka and what it does at LinkedIn. Yeah, sure. So, so like I said, it's, it's kind of like a, a log and, you know, a log in the, the database log sense, not, not in the, uh, you know, text log sense. And so that, that means, you know, it, uh, you know, you, you append messages to this log and other people can read out of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, our, what, what we did, uh, that added to that was we basically, um, 
you know, we, we made it fully distributed um, and we, we tried to give the kind of strong semantics you would expect out of a log. Um, and we made it something where you could have real-time subscribers to the writes to the log. And, and that was kind of our answer to both uh, data copying, you know, like how can I get data out of my, um, you know, applications where activity is happening and into the Hadoop cluster, how can I get data into my social graph system or whatever system? Um, and then also, you know, the, the processing layer, like very often what you want is not just to copy data from A to B, but to actually, you know, transform and munge a bunch of data sources into something that's, you know, finally loaded as a social graph edge or a search record or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of like a, you know, I guess a very broad vision. Um, you know, I, I think our inspiration was kind of uh, this idea of state machine replication, right, where you have, you know, some log of what happened or what changes there are. Um, and then many, many systems or processors or whatever that essentially uh, take that and, you know, write their own copy or version of it. And, you know, I think it's actually a very important piece of infrastructure right now. Um, so if you, if you kind of look around, what you see is there's lots and lots of specialized distributed data systems springing up. Um, and they're all really cool. And they all do interesting things. Uh, but to take advantage of them, to take advantage of even, you know, a handful of them actually causes this really... Um, painful data integration problem, which is kind of like, hey, you know, if, if we have 10 systems, we need to essentially get data between all these systems uh, and really make it so that each system has access to the full set of data that we, that we have. And the more data you have, uh, the bigger that problem becomes. Um, and so that, you know, in this new world with lots of specialized systems instead of one relational database which has everything, I think this integration problem becomes one of the key issues. And so, um, so I think that's why I, I chose to focus on this area, um, primarily because I thought, you know, real-time processing is important, data integration is important. If it's possible to kind of attack both of those problems, that would be a, a good thing to do. So that, that was kind of the, the motivation. That was what led to Kafka. Um, we've been working on it for, for a few years now. We've, you know, we basically just rolled out the kind of fully distributed, uh, replicated, uh, commit log version, which is kind of what we hope to do uh, from the beginning, but it takes it takes time, of course, to do these things. Um, and so that that service is extremely heavily used at LinkedIn. Like it, it's all the activity data, all of our data warehouse and you know offline processing gets fed that data. Um, all of our logs, application metrics, our whole monitoring system, you know, news feed, all, all kinds of stuff basically comes out of this pipeline. Um, and so it also acts as kind of the pipeline from Hadoop clusters when they produce data. It's very often fed back through that pipeline as another feed that just happens to take, uh, you know, occasional processing out of Hadoop and deploy it to live systems. And so that's kind of the, you know, I guess the, the veins uh, through which the data flows. Cool. Can you talk a little bit more about the different pipelines and the, you know, type of consumers and kind of what they do uh, at LinkedIn? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's almost, uh, at this point, the system is kind of like, you know, whatever, uh, in in full use. So it's actually probably beyond the point where anybody knows exactly what all the use cases are. Um, there's there's probably around a thousand topics, uh, you know, a topic being a, a category of data. Um, and, you know, a few hundred of those are like activity data on the site. Some of those are, are you know, monitoring or um, call trace events. Um, and so, uh, you know, basically there's all kinds of data. So the, the kind of applications that are interesting, right, I mentioned the whole offline data pipeline, right? So one thing we've put a lot of time into is, hey, if you produce data into this real-time log, you know, it should show up 
in Hadoop, you know, kind of automatically. We should retain all the structure of that data. So you should have a hive table in Hadoop that has all the same fields that you had in your, your Kafka event. Um, and um, so that's, that's one use case is kind of the, the offline pipeline. Um, there's other use cases for, you know, feeding data into our social graph or, um, you know, the, the news feed you would see on the, the homepage that has all the updates from your network. Like a lot of that processing goes through uh, Kafka. Um, it's also the, the basis for our graphs monitoring and alerting system. So, you know, all of our, you know, we have, we have thousands of processes running and they all emit metrics of different kinds. Uh, and those all kind of get fed together into one big thing that, you know, handles all the graphing, handles alerting and whatever off those streams. Um, and then, um, you know, another kind of related use is basically understanding our, our service call graph. So this is something I've been working on a lot recently, which is just, you know, we trace each call that gets made between internal services at LinkedIn. And so, um, you know, really being able to get good insight into how this, you know, distributed set of services behaves really requires good kind of uh, data instrumentation, visualization, you know, monitoring of that graph and how it performs and interacts. So I guess all of those use cases, that probably covers really only a fraction of things that, that it gets used for, but, but those are some important ones. Cool. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about uh, Apache SAMHSA and what role it plays at LinkedIn. Yeah, sure. So, so it's, much, it's much earlier at LinkedIn, right? I think each of these systems usually has some kind of life cycle, right, where, you know, it's uh, in development and nobody's using it, and then it's new and you're using it for a few things, and then usually some kind of larger scale rollout where, you know, then it becomes kind of the standard for everything. Um, and then from there, either it, you know, uh, continues to succeed or, or maybe, you know, gets replaced by some next generation system as, as you grow or, you know, technology advances or whatever. Um, so, so I think SAMHSA is kind of in, in that second phase, right? We've, we've kind of done a lot of the upfront work. Um, we're using it for a few applications. We're, we're using it for um, kind of this monitoring and call graph uh, assembly stuff that I was talking about, like analyzing service data. Um, we're using it for some of the ingestion feeds of data into other um, systems, uh, which I could talk a little bit more about. Uh, and that's really it. Um, so, so it's not, you know, it's not used for every for processing every Kafka feed that that comes out. Uh, it's much newer. Okay. So, what made you build Samza in the first place instead of using Storm? And also, what uh, what made you use Yarn? Yeah, um, that's an interesting question. So, I guess I should say a little bit more about what Samza is. Um, so, so it's a processing layer. I mean, I guess our observation was that. Uh, and it may be that everybody who listens to this knows everything about this area, but when I talk to people, I find that they don't. Um, so, so our observation was basically, you know, a messaging system or a log is actually a very low-level abstraction. Um, kind of holds on to data for you um, and tries not to lose it. Uh, but that's it, right? It doesn't really provide you much other support in processing. And so intuitively, uh, you know, if you, if you take what a large consumer website like LinkedIn does, Maybe about 50% of the work is done kind of at, at page load time or if you're, you know, if it's a phone or, you know, mobile thing, then at app usage time or whatever, right? In other words, it's done in real time in response to some uh, query from, from the user of the application. Uh, and so that's probably about 50% of usage. Maybe about 25% of things can be done uh, wholly offline. And for us, that's really kind of the Hadoop ecosystem. And that leaves this other 25%, um, which are done uh, as quickly as possible, but, but probably much 
uh, much faster than like a batch system, but but not um, while somebody waits, if that makes sense. So that's the kind of asynchronous domain for us. Um, and that's like much less well supported today, I think just in the world than uh, either the offline stuff or the online stuff. Um, and it's it's a pretty important use case. I think you know most websites kind of are somewhat reactive. Uh, things happen in real time. Uh, you don't wait a day to get you know your up, update to show up or whatever. So so it's an important use case. It's kind of underserved. So I think um, you know so, something which is higher level than uh, you know a messaging system or a log um, and, and attacks that domain will certainly succeed, right? And so I think that's an argument that like. Uh, Storm or SAMHSA or like whatever new thing that replaces these things will will probably be pretty successful. Whoever figures out how to do this stuff right. Uh, so that that was kind of the the argument for getting involved in this area. Um, I think your your question was uh, why not just use something that's already out there? Why not use Storm? Yeah, just curious. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, so I mean, I guess there's a couple of reasons. So one, we had like I guess a couple of ideas that we thought were a little different about how this should work. Um, so I guess the biggest, we, we've built a lot of these. One interesting thing about LinkedIn is it, from the beginning, it was kind of built around the concept of logs. So actually, before we had Kafka even, we built all our data flow uh, around databases as like a kind of log or state machine subscription uh, approach. So we have kind of a lot of experience building these processing flows. And so kind of the pain points that we see in that area are uh, reprocessing. So like, let's say that you you have uh, some data processing and you want to process, I don't know, uh, let's say changes to people's profiles. And maybe what you want to do is correctly classify the company that they've entered so that, so that you can tag them with the right company. That's like a pretty straightforward use case. Um, but it actually exposes a few things that are kind of complicated uh, in the, for, you know, for a uh, stream processing system. So the first thing is these are um, updates to profile, so they have to be processed in the right order. You can't you can't output uh, you know let us say that you update your profile twice. It's very important that um, you know the second update be emitted second. Uh, otherwise, you you potentially will get the old company attached to the new profile, which is totally wrong, right? So this concept of ordering is very important. Um, also, the ability to change your your algorithm, how you classify things, and rerun it, um, and essentially reprocess the data is very important. Those are kind of probably the two critical problems for any of these data flow systems that you know the ingestion pipeline that does uh, search indexing or the ingestion pipeline that does the social graph data or the ingestion pipeline that does this kind of data normalization. Um, that's kind of the, the key thing for them. Uh, and so, so it seemed like that those, those were less well supported in the existing frameworks. We, we kind of took a look at Storm. We took a look at uh, S4. Um, these were all kind of as we were doing development, so you know who knows. But uh, but basically, the the focus there seems to be more just purely on keeping up with real time. Um, and then if you want to recreate data, maybe you could like re rewrite your application in Hadoop or something and try and run it there as well. Uh, so we've kind of done that before. There's a couple different approaches here. Um, but the you know keep something running in both Hadoop and the online system. We haven't had like a great experience with that. You basically kind of get all the baggage of two uh, large, complicated distributed systems, <laughs> um, and so that's not that's probably not our preferred approach. 
uh, kind of, I, I think the ideal is that you have a system that allows you to get elasticity and reprocess data when you have to, but also kind of keep up with the real-time flow as well. Um, and you don't have to, um, you know, kind of port code between. So, so that's kind of like the set of problems we're trying to attack. Uh, one part of that, I think, is being able to do stateful processing. Um, so that's another thing we kind of put a lot of effort into. Um, and stateful processing is really just kind of, um, you know, rather than using, say, a remote database or memcache instance or whatever to maintain the state of your processes, being able to keep that local and attached to the task. Um, and that leads to a whole bunch of, like, interesting things in this domain that you can do. Um, and it's it's maybe more depth than is easy to get into uh, just talking about it, but we've, we've kind of written it up a little bit on the website. Um, so in particular, what you can do is you can do, like, joins where you take some other data stream and you index it locally on the tasks and you kind of hash join on incoming events. Uh, so an example of that is like, um, you know, maybe maybe you're taking some activity feed of, I don't know, page view data and you want to join on uh, attributes about the user, maybe the, the company they work for or something so that you can count page views by company or something. Um, to do that, if you, uh, if you try to do a remote query for each incoming event, uh, it's actually very slow, right? Your 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 ability to subscribe and consume these incoming events is very fast, but your ability to do these remote queries is going to be probably several orders of magnitude slower. And so, what becomes kind of the biggest bottleneck in this area is actually the the load placed on you know external systems for queries. And so, being able to kind of push that uh, push that query more local, you know, move the the computation and data together actually makes it possible to speed this up quite a bit, which is, I think, what makes it possible to reprocess uh, in a scalable way. Um, and it also has all these other benefits around, you know, the semantics of the processing and so on. Yeah, I could see, so, I could see how uh, running inside of Yarn on top of an existing HDFS cluster could, you know, benefit from that type of uh, use case. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So, so I think another question you asked about was just yarn. Um, so when we looked at this area, we actually kind of considered a couple alternatives. Um, we, you know, we, one alternative was just like, don't deal with the, the cluster management or virtualization at all. Just rely on our existing deployment system. That's actually a reasonable option for stream processing because it's relatively static compared to a Hadoop job, right, which spins up tasks for just a temporary period of time. But we thought that there really was a lot of benefits to um, what Yarn was offering, specifically like having um, code run as the individual user. Um, so the whole security integration story is really good, right? And that's actually a pretty hard thing to build out from scratch. Um, also, the, the capacity, you know, scheduling is, is pretty good. Their integration, you know, with C groups and stuff is pretty good. So, so we thought, well, we probably do want some kind of, um, you know, virtualization or cluster management layer. So then the second thing we thought was like, okay, maybe we can, you know, build that ourselves or maybe we should get Mesos or Yarn. Um, and I guess we knew the people uh, working on Yarn uh, better. <laughs> and, so, and we kind of liked what they were doing in their, their abstraction, the way that you, you build a framework on top of that. And so that was the way we went with it. Um, what we've tried to do, though, is actually keep the virtualization layer separate from the framework itself. Um, and this is actually kind of important if you think about it. Uh, LinkedIn is not using uh, Amazon, you know, AWS, EC2. We, we kind of do our own stuff. Um, so for us, this virtualization layer is very important. Uh, but if you are running on top of uh, something in the cloud, 
you actually probably don't need a, a virtualization layer for um, for stream processing. You can actually probably just spawn off EC2 instances and run the processor on those. And so running something like Yarn on top of EC2 uh, is kind of like a double virtualization, which is a little weird. So one thing we would like to be able to do is kind of be a little bit agnostic about the execution framework, um, primarily because I think if you are in uh, EC2, you can't get rid of the one that they, they give you. And um, it's a little bit silly to have two layers, uh, especially when the EC2 one is required and is actually pretty well developed in terms of, you know, isolation, billing, all that stuff, right, security. They've basically handled all those problems. Uh, so, so I think it's, it's kind of a really interesting time in that space. Like you see a lot of interesting stuff happening, right? Like there's all this Docker stuff, there's Yarn, there's Mesos, and then there's these kind of official uh, cloud vendors. And so I think we're just kind of staying agnostic, but for now what we're using is Yarn. And so that's what we're, you know, uh, have built the, the plugins to support. Awesome. Uh, so what do you see as the future of Samza? Um, I, I mean, I guess basically the, the future for any of these types of systems is really kind of like, you know, hardening, make it easy to use, uh, all the boring stuff. Um, that's probably the, the most important thing, in my opinion, for data infrastructure, right? Like, people tend to like the feature checklist, but really it's the, the polish that makes it work. So, you know, that kind of like larger scale rollout at LinkedIn, um, the success of the open source project, getting people involved, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, the other thing I would like to do is is basically work on the, the query language layer. Um, so what we saw with Hadoop is really usage uh, takes off when there's a simple interface um, that allows you to do a lot of the simple joins and aggregations without writing Java code. Um, and I mean, you know, people can debate that, but at the end of the day, I think basically having these kinds of uh, higher level languages and being able to mix those in with, uh, you know, processing stages that are kind of hand coded, as it were, um, is actually pretty powerful. I think that's a good combination. Um, so I think that's something I, you know, I would like to focus on next as we kind of nail the, the polish on what we've got. Awesome. Thank you for your time today, Jay. Yeah, thank you. It was, it was a pleasure.